we've talked about my mom before. And as you know, she loves to feel beautiful. When I was a kid, before every party, she'd go out and get a new outfit. But for like a really long time, my mom didn't do that. I mean, sometimes she'd buy a shirt, wear it to an event, and then she'd go return it. I know, unethical, but we were poor, so hold your judgments. This started happening when I was in high school, and it wasn't just my mom. It was also my dad. I didn't even notice while it was happening because I was so concerned with trying to convince my parents to pay for my Frankie B low-rise jeans and Converse sneakers. I didn't think about what they were not doing in order to pay for my teenage demands, the invisible sacrifice they were making, that they had just stopped buying clothes. It wasn't until my sister and I had moved out of the house, graduated from college, and gotten our own jobs that I noticed a change. I came home one day and saw that my dad looked really nice. He had on a very trendy button-down shirt, jeans, and like brown hipstery shoes. And I went home after dinner that night to my apartment, and I tried to think of another time my dad put any effort into his clothes. And I literally could not come up with a single time. He and my mom had just been wearing the same old clothes over and over again for years so that I could look nice in clothes I was going to grow out of. This is Tell Them I Am. I'm Misha Youssef. Imagine if you could charge your electric vehicle at the places you already love to eat, shop, and play. Whether you're at the movies, on your weekly grocery trip, or running errands at your local mall, Volta EV charging stations are built around your day-to-day and located in your community and nationwide. All you have to do is check in, plug in, and go about your day. It's EV charging made convenient. Download the Volta app to find your new favorite place to charge. I am Reem Asil, and I am the owner and founder of Reem's California. Reem's California is an Arab street food restaurant in Oakland. It's one of the many things Reem is in charge of these days. She's equal parts chef, community activist, and mom. She's a doer. She's always been that way, sometimes behind the scenes, sometimes out front. Like, she told me that when she was a little girl, she wanted to be famous— she wanted to be a Hollywood actor, and she wanted to be president. I, I do remember, like, these, like, home videos of me sort of doing my shows in front of the garage and, like, singing Yankee Doodle Dandy. You know, like, that was kind of... My sister and I shared a room. We had, a, we had bunk beds. Um, I was the oldest of three girls. Middle sister, Dahlia... It's funny now because she's so like outspoken and sort of the alpha in our and of the three of us. Um, but at that time, she was sort of my sidekick. She did anything that I told her to do. She was my assistant when I was a magician. Okay, so when Reem's in third grade, she comes down with a flu. She's tired. Her throat starts to hurt, and she has a really bad fever. But this flu doesn't really go away. 
people thought I had mono. I was like feverish, kind of throwing up. My vitals were all out of whack. Um, I was hospitalized. And then the doctors couldn't find anything else wrong with me, even though I was like super, super sick. And um, at that point, because I was so dehydrated, sort of hallucinating. And, um, and at the time, the doctors were like, she's just, you know, this must be a mental thing. Try and remember the terror of some of the nightmares that you had as a kid when your imagination is so strong and so much of the world is out of your control. Now imagine you're having those nightmares and you're awake. Add that to a child like me with a wild imagination and the things that I was hallucinating and seeing, it could be really scary. And her doctors were so confused. After running some tests, they realized Reem has something called Epstein-Barr virus. The hallucinations are a complication of her having that virus. It's called Alice in Wonderland syndrome. They call it that because you see things that aren't there. Even your own perception of your body changes, like, drastically. Like, you see yourself as really big or really small. Reem is sick for months. She essentially misses, like, six months of her own childhood. And when you're going from third to fourth grade... Six months is basically 20 years. Slowly but surely, I sort of came back to life. I think in that time, my imagination kind of ran wild. (laughs) So wild that Reem decides she needs to make a movie. Thinking about it for a long time, I think maybe watching a little too much TV. (laughs) Some of these, it was a hodgepodge of like all these ideas I had. She wants to make a movie about a single mom with two daughters. One straight-laced and well-behaved, and the other rebellious and wild. Reem is 12 years old. This is not her story. But it's the story that she wants to tell. Yeah, I just wanted to express myself. And um, it was a way to kind of connect with other, like my friends and do something like do a project in which like I get to be the center of attention. I had a little bit of that. I was a little bit of a ham. (laughs) So she writes the script. Um, There was like a little bit of improv in there. Like I played sort of the writer, the director, the producer and the main character, like one of the main characters. I was everything. (laughs) But yeah, I wrote that script on my own. I was like pretty proud of it. She calls the movie Hard Being a Mother. She even writes a theme song for it. She holds auditions at her school during recess. Pretty much people, whoever read the script had the job. (laughs) It wasn't a real audition, but I wanted to make it very official. They borrow the equipment. My mom had a camcorder. It was really just a camcorder. They book the sets. I was like, okay, we need a pool scene. My neighbor has a pool. And I was like, can you talk to her about all of us coming? They put together the whole wardrobe. My mom had all these, like, vintage, like like dresses from the 80s. And we tried to dress up my friends in those dresses because we were playing teenagers in the film. And finally, they begin production. We did the filming in my home um, over the course of like four or five days, over the course of a month. I would boss my mother around (laughs) because she wasn't getting the shots and angles I wanted. I'm very proud of it. It was all girls. Like I remember taking my little sister and like, tying her hair back in a bun and putting a fake mustache on her. (laughs) 
Her mom, the de facto executive producer, is also in the movie. Can you imagine what it would be like if your 12-year-old kid is bossing you around, exploring issues that you're not even comfortable with? Literally directing you. Mom, call the neighbor. Mom, shoot it this way. Mom, I need your clothes. It's not that Reem was a mean kid. She was a determined kid. A kid who had just been sick and needed to prove something to herself. But her mom? Why was she letting her kid do this? Because she just witnessed the scariest thing. Her daughter being so sick that she didn't know what would happen. She wanted Reem to feel strong again. To have friends again. Even if it meant putting her ego aside and being a 12-year-old's assistant. My mom was like, where did she get these ideas from? Did she get them on TV? Did she get them from, you know? And I think um, actually in retrospect as an adult looking back at that film, I think I, I saw the sort of hardships that my mom went through. I mean, she wasn't a single mother, but, you know, she, she did single-handedly raise us. She was the person in our life for a good portion of the time. And she was a working mom and she was going back to school. And so there was like always sort of a tension in that. Uh, but she held pretty much all of the burden of raising us. Um, so, you know, I think it's like interesting to look at those things. Like what goes on for me as a child, sort of watching my mom play that role in the household. So I think that all came out in the film. It was like, my way to kind of speak to those issues and have empathy for them. Reem had seen other homemade movies on a local cable station in Boston, so she figured they would just air her movie. And they did. I do remember sort of walking into the station and, like, meeting the editor um, and telling her what I wanted and telling her, like, giving her very specific directions of, like, how I wanted each, uh, each scene to fade into the next. Her mom set that up, too. They finished the movie, shipped it off to the station. Her mom kept the tape at the ready. And whenever people came over, she would be like, would you like to see my daughter's movie she made? I don't even know if my father was involved at all or knew that I made this film. Um, But my mom certainly was involved from start to finish. I think that my mom felt a certain, that I felt abandonment because I was in this hospital, I wasn't being cared for by my parents. Um, she found this, she had this tremendous sort of, my mom has this tremendous sort of like um, sense of responsibility, I think, that I take after her, you know, to make sure that I was happy because I was actually underneath all that happiness and that like um, sort of vibrancy and wanting to like shine. Um, I think there was like a sad, scared girl, you know, and I think that my mom probably recognized that. For my mom to genuinely want me to find my true authentic self in the midst of all of this, I think it was really hard for her seeing me sad because we have a generation, we come from You know, we come from war and exile and, you know, sort of all of these sad stories. I mean, these are the stories that I grew up hearing, but there's also like stories of resilience and our food and our culture and all these things that my mom brought to the household and tried to make sure that she instilled in us were the things that I hold with me.
You can learn more about Reem a Seal by visiting Reem's California in Oakland or by checking out her Instagram at reem.aseal. Thank you so much for listening to Tell Them I Am. I am Misha Youssef. This episode of Tell Them I Am was sound designed by Arwen Nix and written by Arwen Nix and me. Mary Knopf is my producer. And don't tell James Kim, but she sits next to me and he does not. Arwen Nix is the podcast boss here at KPCC, and she is also our editor. Valentina Rivera and Sean Corey Campbell are our engineers. Our tile art is by our talented designer, Stephanie Kraft. Our beautiful music is by David Leinard. You can find incredible illustrations of all of our guests as the episodes release. Thanks to Emin Ahmed for those. You should really see them. Just go to kpcc.org slash tell them or follow me on Instagram or Twitter at Misha Youssef. We will be back tomorrow with another story.